electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. It's a new year, a new Congress, and a difficult vote for House Speaker-in-waiting Kevin McCarthy, pollster and political strategist Frank Luntz. The public actually wants to get things done. They want the parties to work together on inflation. They want them to work together on immigration. But the problem is, this race is pulling the Republican Party apart. China on a COVID wave as we start 23. Former FDA Commissioner Dr. Scott Gottlieb. Remember, we've spent the last three years adapting to this virus. They're just beginning that process right now. And activism, soda safety, and what investor Bill Ackman's on about. It's a rare pleasure, a full-blown Coca-Cola. I know I'm fat. I don't blame Coke for my fatness. Those stories, plus a big Berkshire birthday. He just turned 99 on Sunday. Fear on the football field and resolutions, old and new. Let's hold hands oh. and sing Kumbaya. It's the beginning <laughs> we of the decided. new year. I know. We did. We, that's our resolution. It's Tuesday, January 3rd. Our first Squawk Pod of 2023 begins right now. Stand back by in three, two, one. Cue it, please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. The gang is all back together. We are here for the new year. And guys, I've missed you. I've seen each of you individually, individually. over time. We've been corresponding. Been We've been corresponding a little bit. Talking uh, this morning, probably lo- more than we should. A lot of love, a lot of resolutions that we've made to, to be even closer and, and, you know, sort of more uh, a cooperative sort of a, a arrangement. Right. Actually, in fact, I have, I have presents for you guys tomorrow oh, goodness. that I'm bringing in. I bought something for each of us and oh. I'll bring it in. Oh, that's Thank nice. Yeah. Um, when do you finally start writing 2023 on your checks? When's the last time you wrote a check? I write checks all the time. Do you? I don't. I have no. I, <laughs> I haven't seen a checkbook in years. I'm, I'm, I don't have access. And to accidentally <laughs> wrote 23 on a check actually just last week. So it was oh, before 2023. You mean? Yes. Meaning, uh, yes. Were you post dating it because you wanted to keep the float? No. Because <laughs> you do He's that. He's just thinking ahead. No, I just made a, a mistake, and my my very my smarter than myself wife said to me. You know, you got to change the date. It's not 23 yet. Yep. Well, it, it takes a while to do that. Usually, like three or four months, and then it's almost 2024. Yeah, so, but wait, you haven't seen a checkbook in years because no. you're in a conservative ship, right? Why? Yes. <laughs> I have no access to to, to, to the funds. No. That makes sense. I have, to, I have a credit card. Yeah. That, right. that, uh, for essentials. For essentials, but yeah, I have no access to the actual. To the actual banking money. account. Itself. I consider myself. Why would I? I consider myself a limited partner, so it's. Yeah, <laughs> you're definitely not the general partner. Hey, maybe we can finally put 2022 behind us. It was a lousy, lousy year for the markets. The Dow was down by 8.7 percent, almost 8.8 percent. 
The S&P lost 19.4%, so yeah, almost bear market, but not quite, but yeah, a rough year. And then the Nasdaq was down by 33.1%. These are the worst returns we've seen since the financial crisis back in 2008. Let's take a quick look at energy prices. You will see right now that uh, WTI is actually down by 1.5%, $79 a barrel. Um, natural gas is something to watch, too. It's been really warm weather in Europe. Maybe we'll talk a little more about this later. That, as a result, has put pressure on natural gas, which is sitting down about 8.7%. This Can we all agree right here to, to just not say after 2022, oh, it can't get any worse. Yes, I will not Can we say just that. not say that, please, with this guy in Russia and with, I mean, who knows? I mean, all bets are, it could get worse. Could get worse. It could, and the stock market isn't guaranteed to suddenly, you know, when everyone finishes with their tax loss harvesting or whatever it is last year, that, that doesn't mean that this is headed higher. Right. Let's just not say it. Let's, let's hope spring's eternal. Let's be pleasantly surprised by a better year in 2023. But do not say it can't get any worse. I love your optimism. Is that um, optimism? Are you optimistic <laughs> about this? In Washington today, the new Congress will be convening and one of the first items on the agenda, electing a speaker. Do you have this the vote for speaker tomorrow? Are you prepared to make more concessions in exchange for more support? Hope you all have a very nice meeting. A group of the five hard-right lawmakers have pledged to block his bid. McCarthy uh, can't afford to lose votes from only four members of his party. The House will convene today at noon. The speaker will begin shortly after that nomination uh, speeches and follow that by alphabetical roll call vote. If a candidate doesn't win a majority, then another roll call vote gets to be taken. No speaker vote has failed on the first ballot since 1923. If Republicans remain gridlocked after several ballots, lawmakers then expect the conference to call an emergency meeting to debate in private. If McCarthy can't sway his detractors, then an alternative candidate could emerge. Current minority whip uh, Steve Scalise has been mentioned as a possibility. He said that he is firmly behind McCarthy, at least thus far. We're going to talk all about this and so much more with pollster Frank Luntz. There's four votes, four. right? That's because what he the, said, yes. Yeah. Unless, a bunch, of unless a bunch of Democrats vote for him. Right. <laughs> Not likely to happen. There's already two of the four Republicans have said that there's nothing he can do to sway them. So at least two. Yeah. Got to imagine there's some horse trading that's taking place this morning. These these are some real fringe type guy. I mean, that guy Matt Gates is one of these guys. Yes, and Lauren still Bill. around. I thought, I was surprised th by that. Thought too. something happened. He's got that. Santos in the bag. So well, that's, you he's know. got yeah. That's a you know you rub my back. I, I don't even want to say that about that. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything. I don't. I know nothing. I know nothing. I was in a different state in an undisclosed location. Meantime, uh, investor Bill Ackman uh, renewing his criticism of soft drink uh, makers Coca-Cola and Pepsi, saying that they have caused more harm to global health than any other companies. He tweeted, just look at the correlation between diabetes, obesity and soft drink consumption. He later tweeted that he had no economic interest, long or short, in any soft drink company. Critics on Twitter pointing out that Ackman's holdings do include restaurants, chains that uh, distribute soft drinks like Chipotle and Burger King parent restaurant brands international. Back in 2015, you may remember that Ackman publicly criticized Berkshire Hathaway for investing directly in Coca-Cola, accusing the software maker of uh, software, soft drink maker, soft, could be a software maker too, uh, these days everybody's a tech company, uh, of probably, quote, having done more to create obesity and diabetes on a global basis than any other company in the world. And I remember we talked to Warren Buffett about that during the annual meeting, and uh, he kind of scoffed at the whole thing. 
I mean, I happen to elect to consume about 700 calories a day from Coca-Cola. So I'm about one quarter Coca-Cola, roughly. I'm uh, not sure which quarter, and I'm not sure we want to pursue the question. And uh, I'm still kicking at whatever. I don't. Uh, he's I mean, na- if, na- na- now he's 92 or 90. You know who's 99 as of January 1st? Munger. Yeah. Charlie, Charlie Munger. Munger. Right. I drink maybe one. I, I still, it's a rare pleasure. A, a, a full-blown Coca-Cola. Still, still love it. I don't know. I, I know I'm fat. I don't blame Coke uh, for my fatness. But I, so I can't eat meat because cows fart. And I can't have any Coke, I guess, because of the obese. I mean. <clears throat> Do, you know, take care of your own life, Bill. Leave me alone. Buffalo Bill's uh, safety, Damar Hamlin, is in critical condition after he suffered cardiac arrest during last night's game against the Bengals. He collapsed shortly after making a tackle. His heartbeat was restored. Thank God, after several minutes of CPR on the field, and he was taken to a nearby hospital to UC, or to, uh, I think it was University of Cincinnati Medical Center. Um, uh, the players on the, the field were visibly upset uh, formed a wall around Hamlin to protect his privacy while he was receiving medical attention. The NFL suspended the game, and the rest of the Bills team departed shortly after midnight to return to Buffalo. NFL didn't provide an update on potentially rescheduling the game as the league enters the final week uh, of its regular uh, season. And I, had, I actually saw the Bengals score the first uh, touchdown in the first quarter, and it had just gone up. And then, you know, I... Penelope came up and told me, yeah. and it was like, I'm like, start again, start over, what? She, it looked very bleak yeah. when she came up. Then I was pleased to see that, it, it, you know, that he is alive and, and hopefully in critical start. condition, and, and you know, he's hopefully 24 strong and uh, make a total recovery, hopefully. I mean, they were going back, and they were showing a hockey player who took a, a slap shot straight to the chest back in like 1995 and it's the same thing it stopped his heart he was able he was back on the ice about 12 weeks later and or in, a few uh, weeks later managed to play for another 12 years in the late 90s two pitches into a, a reds game the home plate ump bernard mcsherry face plant dead 51 years old uh, in like 19 late, so this is weird, and you know nothing in Cincinnati, but things happen in Sports. sporting events, and uh, you know just once again realize uh, every every morning you wake up is a pretty good day. Damar Hamlin's mother was there at the stadium, and they yeah. went to find her right. and bring her back, and you know your thoughts obviously are with with her, with yep. the family, with him, and and with the team for hopes for a recovery. I saw some things on Twitter. Did the NFL have sort of had to be? It took them an hour and a half to. Did they had to the be game. cajoled or arm twisted by the two? Because I know that the, yeah. the, the Bengals coach. And we're they, ready to call. Yeah, there's just no way they were sending anyone back for a warm up right. after that. And was it the NFL dragged kicking and screaming into compliance with this, or did, did everybody decide to do? It took an hour and a half. I assume it took it. You, would, you took a little bit of time to figure out exactly what, what to I do. I don't think we need to be mad at, at, right. at anyone. Point fingers. It's. You know, no one can prepare for something so shocking and, and, and unexpected. And it wasn't a hard tackle or anything. And I think the, the, the Bengal uh, T would have, Higgins, I think, I, he was like worried about everything too. I saw but a picture of him with his mother afterwards. God, I saw some hits yesterday just throughout because there were a lot of bowl games in the right. day before, a lot of bowl games. I mean, the hits are, are still pretty hard. So do you think see. this has any impact long term on the, the game of football? 
I know and, you and always the, are, are, are looking for the, that, the, but no, I, I mean, I don't think, I wouldn't draw any, I wouldn't try to connect any dots to the game itself in this at all. It wasn't really a, a hard hit. I don't think that, we know nothing about his, his cardiac condition, his right. hereditary, we, we know nothing about this gentleman and whether he predisposed to that or whether football had anything to do with it. Do we? No, I, I, I don't. I, I, I mean, was, head I, injuries are I, still not fixed, obviously. We have trying, you know, targeting. I, I only and, ask and because obviously there'll be games that are delayed. And, There's going to be economic impact. You know, there'll be, there'll be some short-term economic impact to, to the NFL. And then the question, of course, did you see the, the longer-term uh, longer prospect for the USC quarterback? Did you see that he had I didn't see the it. F word Utah on his? Uh, on, no, yeah, no, S, yeah, he had. Uh, yeah. On his jersey? On his, no, fingernails. Cheese will be next. After this break, America's political challenges in this new year with strategist Frank Luntz. We have a crisis at the border. We have a retirement savings crisis that we can fix right now. We have inflation that is still out of control. And you're arguing over something that happened in some cases 20, 30, 40 years ago. And what's happening now? The continuing fallout from the embellished resume of Republican Congressman-elect George Santos. We'll be right back. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve. With the help of T-Mobile for Business, our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod. Up and Andrew, Hugh. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. Happy New Year for those of you who we haven't spoken to about this just yet. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan. The whole crew is back in town all together. Let's see where Washington is going to start out today because Republicans take control of the House as 118th uh, the session, uh, the, the 118th session, I should say, of Congress opens officially today. It's going to be highlighted by the critical vote on who will become House Speaker. We're going to find out shortly later at noon whether Representative Kevin McCarthy has shored up enough votes for his Speaker bid. Joining us right now is Frank Luntz. He is FIL Inc. pollster and political strategist. Frank, let's talk about all this and, and what you think is happening here and what you think is going to happen. We should also say uh, you are a very close friend of, of Kevin McCarthy's before we get into it. Uh, yes, Sam. I've known him for uh, 29 years now. And I look at where we are in Washington and what the market should expect. And the challenge is that the public actually wants to get things done. They want the parties to work together on inflation. They want them to work together on immigration. There's new retirement savings legislation put forward in a bipartisan way in the Senate and the House by Tom Tillis and by right. John Hickenlooper. And they expect Washington to get it done, to find a way that workers 
can save for their future. But the problem is this race is pulling the Republican Party apart, that you've got conservatives versus those on the extreme. And right now, it's going to it looks very difficult for Kevin to put together a majority on the first ballot, because unlike what Ronald Reagan alerted us to, that if you're 85 percent or 90 percent in agreement, you are allies rather than enemies or traitors. That's not the way Washington works. So what happens? I think uh, what happens? Uh, first off, the vote won't be in the first hour. So viewers should not really start to tune into one or one fifteen. The vote takes about 70 minutes, 80 minutes, because they go through each individual name. You have to stand up and recorded by person. You must get a majority of those people who are named, not votes. So if someone votes present, that does not count towards the majority. So right. it is not likely that the winner needs 218. You can get elected speaker with as few votes as 214 or 215. Still, it's gonna be hard on the first ballot because enough people have said that they won't vote publicly for the Republican leader that we're gonna have a very, very long day. Can I ask you a separate question, just because you know, you, you know you know, Speaker McCarthy, or what well, we'll see, Kevin McCarthy as well as you do, and we've been talking about uh, Santos for the last week. Why doesn't he just come out and condemn him? I mean, you know, the man's a serial liar, and you'd think at this point that somebody would say something. And look, I know that there's gonna be, uh, viewers are gonna say other people have lied, including President Biden, uh, plagiarizing many, many years ago. I don't think there's an equivalency, but we, but let's recognize that that is terrible, terrible too. I would publicly condemn that and, and, and happy to do that right now if that's the case. But this seems to be relatively egregious. Well, the amazing thing is, and I felt this way going back 25 years, the presidency of Bill Clinton, that it is not, I question whether you remove somebody. My issue is, don't, doesn't Santos have personal respect? Doesn't he have, doesn't he feel shame for what he's done? Why doesn't he himself step aside? I don't disagree. I'm just saying, and, and Kevin McCarthy needs him, so maybe he can't condemn him. I just don't understand. Well, the issue now is you focus on what you face at this moment. And at this moment, the question is, is there more that unites the Republican conference or are 10 members, because it's probably about 10, hold back the entire Congress from doing what it's supposed to be doing. Now, what this has done is it's caused people to pay attention to the news, it's caused people to learn the rules of the House, and that's a good thing. You've got new apps right now, like Facts, that are talking about this and talking about Santos every single day. And if you want the latest on Santos, these apps, like Facts, provide you with exactly what's going on. So that's a good thing. But when you don't have accountability and you don't have personal responsibility and you don't have this desire to get things done, it's about results the public is looking for. I'm not concerned about what happens today. I'm concerned whether or not our democracy can get its credibility back, can get its mojo back. When people tune in and they start to think about Washington and it starts today, it starts right now, Will they believe that this is a place they can trust? Will they believe that this is a place that's filled with people who don't deserve their respect? Shouldn't be, shouldn't be doing any resume, resume padding. But I did see a lot of people last week. Just, you know, they were all up in arms on Twitter. You know, Elizabeth Warren and Michael. How about Blumenthal? 
when we came back from Vietnam. Totally condemnable. Terrible. But we still, he's still Terrible. there, still a senator with all the... We, we had Judd Gregg on last week, yeah. former Republican. I mean, this is worth Senator I, I, and governor I, I, who said, look, he, he should just... It, he shouldn't just, be around. It's almost a no-brainer if I, if, I if I were Kevin McCarthy. I mean, this is, a, this is an opportunity to give himself some real fine definition and direction and give the country something to be proud of. It's just hard to throw stones, some of these. And, and then as far as you're going back to the 70s for Joe Biden, you can't you don't have anything more recently than the 70s for now. I'm not sure he knows that he's lying. That's oh, the only on. problem. Look, well, at certain points, he never talked about Hunter, about any business arrangements. Look, never. I think the, well, we don't, I, we don't know guys, about that. But I think uh, the, go ahead, guys, Frank. Don't go do ahead, this. Don't oh, do this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're m- oh, Mr. Come Together. Oh, yeah. You've stirred up a lot of stuff over the years, Frank. This is the the country we're in right now. I'm sorry. This is where we are. And and you and Arthur Brooks can, you know, hold hands and sing Kumbaya. I would like to. Let's hold hands and sing Kumbaya. It's the beginning of the year. We decided. I know. That's our resolution. That's our resolution. You have things that the public desperately needs. We have a crisis at the border. We have a retirement savings crisis that we can fix right now. We have inflation that is still out of control. And you're arguing over something that happened in some cases 20, 30, 40 years ago. Or, or, or five out. months ago. You're, and we're, and we started own, with Santos. You're talking about Santos, so it's all fair viewers, game at this point, Frank. Your own viewers want results. They want aspects of this economy to be addressed. They want foreign policy to be addressed. And you're arguing okay, over something that is really minute. Come on, guys. Right, Get your act right. together. Okay. Okay. Frank, right. you got the high ground, Frank. I don't disagree with you, and I'd love to hold hands with you through the screen if we could. Uh, we got to run, but on inflation, um, is there anything that you think from a public perception, uh, and, and maybe that's all that can be done when you think about where Congress is going to be this year and what they can or cannot do? Yes, it's about spending accountability and ways for Washington spending. If the Republicans link they, they, and they, they take control of Congress, as they're supposed to today. The very first thing they should do after they remove the 87,000 new IRS agents that aren't needed, the very first thing they should do is set up a commission to cut 1% out of every spending program in Washington, D.C., because that 1% can start to get the wasteful spending under control, right. the bureaucracy under okay. control. And that will Frank, have a significant and meaningful It's a longer conversation. Thing. I hope to have you back. I want to have a debate about the IRS piece because I disagree with you. I think that ultimately, if you look at the investment that's, that, that gets made at the IRS and the return on investment, it is huge. But again, a conversation for another day. Thank you. Coming up on Squawk Pod, the end of China's COVID restrictions and the wave of illness that's followed. Dr. Scott Gottlieb joins us on China's long-term pandemic strategy. I don't think this is going to be one wave and done. Um, There is some potential that if they have uh, one variant spreading in a city and another variant spreading in another city, they could swap places and see successive waves of infection in that country. Plus, where's all the flu medication? That's right after this. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.
Welcome back to Squawk Pod, where it's a new year, same crew. You're listening to Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. State media in China playing down the severity of a surge of COVID-19 infections there ahead of an expected briefing today by its scientists to the World Health Organization. Joining us right now is Dr. Scott Gottlieb. He is former commissioner of the FDA and a CNBC contributor who also serves on the boards of both Pfizer and Illumina. And and Scott, let's just start with where we think things are in China at this point. I've been seeing reports that perhaps the biggest waves have peaked in some of the biggest cities, but that it's moving on to the countryside at this point. Yeah, that's right. It looks like there's some indication that infections have peaked in cities like Beijing and Shanghai. They still have a ways to go in those cities, but it's a big country with a big population. Um, It doesn't appear that the infections spread to all parts of the country, and they have a ways to go. Um, Lunar New Year, which is January 22nd, is also going to be a point in time which propagates some additional spread. They dropped sequences over the weekend, some additional sequences. They put out about 600 sequences. Um, since Christmas. And it looks like from what they're putting out, and this is probably sampling that's going on inside their larger cities, but it looks like a mix of BF7 uh, and BA5, which are two variants, one variant that we've seen here. We've seen BA5. We have not seen a lot of BF7, although we do have some cases of it. They have a smaller amount of BA5, BQ, and in XBB, which is that new variant that's growing in um, strength here in the United States. And so The fact that they have both um, an Omicron variant, BA5, and BF7 also suggests that they could have multiple waves. I think that they're going to have some successive waves. Remember, we've spent the last three years adapting to this virus. They're just beginning that process right now. So I don't think this is going to be one wave and done. Um, There is some potential that if they have uh, one variant spreading in a city and another variant spreading in another city, they could swap places and see successive waves of infection in that country. Meaning if you've gotten one variant, it doesn't necessarily mean you'll be immune from the next one that comes along because there's so many variants that are uh, that are all over the place at this point. Well, that's right. BF7 has evolved to have immune escape properties from people who've acquired immunity from variants, Omicron variants like BA5. So you could have a wave of BA5 in a city and then a month later have a wave of BF7. may not be um, of the same intensity because you'll have some cross immunity and people will have recent infection, but it could be continuous cycles of infection. I don't think this is just going to sweep across China very quickly in sort of two months, and they'll be done with it. I think that they're going to be Mm -hmm. grappling with this for a while. Delta could get back into that country as well. I mean, they could still have to deal with some of the older variants that we've had to grapple with already. I've I've stopped tracking all these variants. I guess XBB has jumped out a little bit recently. Are any of these more dangerous, more highly spreadable? Is there anything we need to be concerned about? Yeah, well, it's hard to tell with XBB. So we have a version of XBB in this country that wasn't in other countries. So it has a slightly different mutational burden. Uh, Singapore had a very intense wave of infection in the fall with XBB and didn't cause an appreciable increase in hospitalizations. In fact, at the time, they, the peak infections in October were about 8,000 infections a day. Uh, and at the time, they put out a statement saying 99.7% of them were either mild or asymptomatic. There's also some data out of the Sato lab in Japan, albeit in hamsters, which suggests that it has less pathogenicity. So far, there's no reason to believe that it's more pathogenic. There's some reason to believe that it's less pathogenic, so it's less severe. 
Um, it could cause a wave of infection here in the United States. It's hard to tell. It doesn't necessarily have to. My guess is at this point in the Northeast, it's probably 100% of all new infections are close to it. It was 75% in the last reading by CDC last week, and that's backward looking. So it's been growing very quickly. You haven't seen a very significant increase in hospitalizations, although they're starting to tick up. They're coming up. COVID hospitalizations are coming up at the same time. Flu hospitalizations are coming down very sharply and flu cases are coming down very sharply. So I think the healthcare system is going to be able to grapple with this. And there's no reason to necessarily believe that XBB is going to cause a big wave of infection. But that's always a concern when you see these new variants come along that have the potential to escape some of the immunity that we've acquired. Look, we've, we've been talking recently about how difficult it is to get children's Tylenol, children's medication for any of these issues because there's been so much illness that's been floating around. Have we pulled it forward? Can we look forward to maybe an easier couple of months after the last few? Yeah, there is some evidence that the supply chain is starting to get restocked. There's no, there's nothing systemically wrong with the supply chain. There's no shortage. There's no shortage of active pharmaceutical ingredient. This was basically a demand and supply mismatch, and distributors and manufacturers didn't anticipate the early intense demand for some of these medications, particularly the oral suspensions, which need to be made closer to the point in which they're going to be used. They don't have a long shelf life. Um, so they've been increasing production. There is more supply entering the supply chain. I think people are going to start to see these spot shortages and these overall shortages for things like oral amoxicillin or Tamiflu start to abate. I, I just mean, are we going to be facing less illness? That's what I'm crossing my fingers for. Have, have we pulled forward oh. the illness, not just have we pulled forward, you know, the demand side of this equation? And can we maybe relax a little? Yeah, no, it's a great question. So uh, with respect to flu, it does appear to, to be the case. So we had a very early, sharp, uh, intense wave of flu infection. I think when we look back at this season, the overall number of flu cases actually isn't going to be higher than previous years. It's going to be about average relative to historical norms. We just pulled forward a lot of those cases, you know, barring the possibility that we may have a second wave of flu with H1N1 or, or flu B, which we sometimes see in a season. So far, it doesn't seem like flu cases overall or flu hospitalizations are going to be appreciably up from prior seasons. What happened was we pulled forward those cases. Same thing with RSV. So a lot of the infections that would have happened over the course of a winter happened early this year and happened in a very sharp wave. Great. Dr. Gottlieb, thank you. Thanks a lot. We want to formally wish a happy birthday to Berkshire Vice Chair Charlie Munger. He just turned 99 on Sunday, still an active vice chair for the company and, and um, still pretty active when you talk to him, when you interview him. We're going to get a chance to talk to him again coming up in February. We just talked to him recently. But again, congratulations to Charlie Munger. Happy birthday. And the world is remembering iconic journalist Barbara Walters. She died last week at the age of 93. Tributes have been pouring in, uh, remembering how hard she worked and how many barriers she broke. Guys, I spoke over the weekend with Warren Buffett, um, and he remembered a story from Barbara Walters as well. I, I guess back in 1985, maybe 1986, right about the time the Cap Cities ABC deal went together, um, he was invited to a dinner with Tom Murphy and Dan Burke, who were running Cap Cities. He wasn't an investor in Cap Cities until that deal when he did buy in. That was the reason they were able to come up with the money to finance that, that because of him buying into the purchase. But he was longtime friends with both Tom Murphy and, and Dan Burke. Uh, Dan Burke was Steve Burke's father, who's right. been running mm -hmm. the whole thing there. Anyway, they invited him to a dinner. They said that we're getting together for dinner with Barbara Walter. Would you, Walters. Would you like to come? He went ahead and he showed up for this dinner. And one of the first things she said to him is, Warren, how much do you think 
you would need to retire well in New York City. And he thought about it, thinking, well, you probably want to be chauffeured. It's very expensive. It's New York City. Probably about $50 million. And I guess Dan Burke was like apoplectic because <laughs> they were in contract negotiations trying to worry good about talk. what to do. So she played a very good game with coming through with that. Um, it was Warren her negotiator? Well, he, it I, sounds I, unwittingly. like... Unwittingly. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Big numbers, but she was somebody who worked so hard and blazed a trail um, for so many journalists, kind of watching through just the interviews she was able to book, how hard she worked on a yep. constant basis. And even to the point where some people I know were like, what where is the Barbara Walters special? Because you still right. expect it. Yep. Right? You still expect the Barbara. And yeah. it wasn't that long ago. It was probably 2020. Before. Remember, she did it in 2020. She did it? Didn't, didn't she, didn't I don't she say think 2020? 2020. Was, was, I, I remember you saying Oh, no, that was because she was on the show. On, on the show 2020. 2020. Okay. I yeah, I think it. it was about 2015. Is it that long? Okay. I think maybe because she was 93. So if you're still. She worked in 85. Everything she that she was, was one of the hardest workers. The I remember meeting her a couple of times, and yeah. she was always very gracious. And I'm not going to hold it against her that she was the founder of The View. And many other things. Yes. Right. That's Squawk Pod for today, kicking off 2023. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern to get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears. Follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, make it your New Year's resolution to spread the word. You can rate or write a brief review of Squawk Pod on Apple Podcasts. It only takes a few minutes, and it's really the best way to help other listeners discover this podcast. Thank you. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.